Hello everyone, may the grace, peace and the amazing love of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us, not only now but every moment of our lives. Today the scenario is a little different, I'm at home and after my trip I should be here for the next two weeks. Praise the Lord for the technology we have. Again, it's a privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you. And my prayer in this moment is that He may have mercy on us and guide us by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the last two weeks, we have been reading and walking through the book of Ruth and its message where we can see a wonderful and sovereign God who relates to us and involves us in the development and the fulfillment of His perfect plan, showing His providence and His love. We have been talking about love, the perfect love, the agape love for the Greek, the hesed for the Hebrew, the love of God for us, demonstrated in its fullness through Jesus Christ, His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is John 3.16. This Son, who, being God Himself, was obedient to death, and death on the cross, taught and demonstrated in a practical and vivid way his love for us, accomplishing what none of us could accomplish. With that, he gave us a new commandment, which is one of our verses of the year and the basis of this series of sermons that we have in Ruth. A new command I give you, love one another, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's John 13, 34 to 35. This is the true model of love. To love as Jesus loves us. To love as God loves us. Not my pattern of love. Not to love as much as I think is enough, but to love in the way the Lord expects us to do and be able to share this love with everyone around us. Through love, make Jesus known. That has been our desire in this mini-series, to think about how we, NCBC, Church, servants of Christ, followers of Jesus, have loved and demonstrated to the world around us, in a practical way, the love of the Most High God. To help this reflection, each week we bring a practical challenge, something in which we can exercise this love in our lives and in our relationships. Last week, Alan invited us to intentionally seek an opportunity to show an act of kindness to somebody during the week. The other point was, consider if you need to change anything in your shadow lifestyle in order to be a bringer of kindness. I'm sure this kind of attitude can make a big difference in our lives and in others' lives. Our big challenge is to bring these practices and acts to our day-to-day life. Let's walk in our narrative. Let's see where we are in our journey. 
Let's try to find just a short contest in the chapters 1 and 2. Two weeks ago, we saw a family, Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons, fleeing the famine in Bethlehem, the house of the bread that now was without bread, and going to the neighboring country, Moab. In that land, Elimelech dies, and Naomi becomes a widow. Their sons marry women of the land, Ruth and Opa, and without living children, they also die after a few years. Three widows without children and without hope. Naomi decides to return to her country, where she would be supported by the law of her God and her people. She releases her daughters-in-law to return to their homes, to their parents, to their gods. One of them understands that this is the way and leaves Naomi. But Ruth loves her mother-in-law to the point that she commits her life to taking care of Naomi. Ruth understands that love is costly and is willing to give what is really precious to her and even the possibility of a prom promising, promising future. She decides to serve Naomi without expecting anything in return other than the love she has already received. Wherever you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Yes, love is costly. Last week, Alan shared with us the arrival of the two widows to Bethlehem back and the way in which Ruth, in her care for Naomi, went to pick up the leftovers from the harvest, as she was allowed by the law of Israel to do that. Ruth did not know who was the owner of the land, but she knew him on that day and was the target of his kindness. The owner of the land was Boaz, whose name means man of noble character. He was rich and influent, and he was a relative of Elimelech. Ruth called the attention of Boaz, who had already heard about the foreign Moabite who had been loyal to her mother-in-law and for love did not abandon her. Ruth finds grace from God through the life of Boaz, a faithful servant of the Lord who demonstrates how much love is kind. She receives his care and protection as well as the recognition of her valuable character. We learned about the love of God, has said. This is the expression of the kindness. This is the expression of the goodness, of the faithfulness, the love of God put into practice by those who fear and obey Him and who are therefore blessed as well. Ruth returns home happy to bring Naomi the fruit of her work and also the kindness of Boaz. One who understands the cost of love also experiences its kindness. These were the words from Boaz, or the words Boaz told to Ruth, 
may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. This is the verse 12 of the chapter 2. Yes, love is kind. Today, we come to the chapter 3 of the book of Ruth. And our intention here is to emphasize how much the same love is also generous. Generous. Love is generous. Let's read the chapter 3. We're reading today from Ruth chapter 3. We're reading all of it, verses 1 to 18. And it's titled Ruth and Boaz at the Threshing Floor. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you, where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Thank you, Bev, for the reading. This is the word of God, and we are asking him to put this in our hearts. Love is generous. At the end of chapter 2, we can read about Ruth's return at the end of the workday. Because of the big bag of barley and the news of Boaz's kindness and grace, Naomi rejoices. She sees God's blessing on their lives, and this brings back a little sweetness to the heart that was so bitter by suffering 
that this woman changed her name from Naomi, which means pleasant, to Mara, which means bitter in Hebrew, as we can read at the end of the chapter 1. There is now a possibility of a future for both of them. Boaz is a possible redeemer of his family. In the cultural tradition of Israel, which gains weight of law, when a man died and left his wife and the land, it was the duty of a redeemer, a close relative, to marry the widow, to care for the land, and to protect the family with new children to continuity of the name, the family line. Since Naomi could not longer have children, Ruth was the one who would occupy this place. The Redeemer should marry Ruth in order to continue Elimelech's family line. As we read earlier, sorry, as we read earlier, time passes, the harvest ends, and despite Boaz's care and attention towards Ruth and Naomi, he, doesn't, he does not take the initiative to redeem them, not least because he knew the, that he was not the first in the family proximity to do this. Naomi, in a demonstration of love for Ruth, decides to promote this situation in the desire for a better future, thinking of a home, a place of rest and security for her beloved daughter-in-law. As she asked God in the chapter 1, verse 9. She was thinking about a marriage for Ruth. It is interesting to see how love is shown in each character throughout the book. Naomi's love for her daughters-in-law in wanting them to return to their parents' home. Ruth's love in cling to Naomi and go with her to Bethlehem, living a possible more peaceful life in her own country. Again, Ruth's love for working to care for Naomi. Boaz's love for blessing Ruth, and through that, blessing Naomi. And now, back to chapter 3, Naomi's love for worrying about the daughter's-in-law's future. The love shown in the desire to serve and care for others. Again, the main point, give more than receive. Just to make us think a little, the question come back. What about us? How have we shown this love in our lives? Coming back to the test, knowing tradition and the law, Naomi guides Ruth on a plan that could change the situation in which they were living. She said everything that should be done. The clothes of mourning should be exchanged for party clothes. And Boaz should know that she was willing, even though she was a foreigner, to submit herself to the culture and law of the people who now, for Naomi's sake, were her people. We cannot fail to notice the connection between generosity and kindness in the love that comes from the Lord. They have said that we heard so many times. We see this if we remember chapter 2 and the way Boaz has already shown his generosity in reflecting God's kindness. 
He generously blessed Ruth and Naomi with more than the usual, more than the law, the law required from him. In general, we associate generosity with money or material things that we can give or receive. Last week, when we heard and saw about food bank, the BMS in the hospital in Chad, and the Operation Agri, we were moved to contribute generously with our offers, with our money, with things that we have. I believe that happened. I believe that that happened because of the love in our hearts. Yes, it's this love that needs to move us. Because the desire to bless, the understanding of how much we have already received materially and how much we can share and care for others. That's okay. It is a good thing. It is a noble thing to do. But generosity goes far beyond that material or financial perspective. I know that you know that. I know. I'm just repeating something that you know. I'm sure about this. One of the things that caught my attention when we moved to England, myself and Claudia, was the number of charities and requests for donations that appeal to the generosity of the people. How many projects inside and outside the country asking for donations to help people, to help animals, to help the environment and other things. If we spend time in front of the TV, we will see that easily. There is no problem with that. On the contrary, it's good. I can see a generous people, a people ready to help. As I became a volunteer at Food Bank, I saw how positive the response is inside and outside churches with each request that is shared and how the needs of many are met. Therefore, we can ask ourselves, what is the real motivation to give? What moves, uh, moves you, moves me to give? I can read a verse that tells me what should be the real motivation. When Paul writes to Corinthians in the first letter, he says, If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is the verse 3 of the chapter 13. The love of the Lord, the true love, the love that we learn from Jesus' example, the love that we received from him. This love must be the motivation. And this love is really generous. I can never, or it can never be the feeling of exchange, of a bargain with God. It can never be the first intention of giving to be blessed back. But rather, because we understand that we have already received so much and we must share. That we have already been blessed and it is a privilege to bless others. With that, 
we learn that there is much more in generous love. Love is generous. The parable of the good Samaritan in Luke, and we add this good, not the Bible. <laughs> Chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. It's a very clear presentation of that love expressed in kindness and generosity. That, yes, it has a cost. But this cost is never greater than the privilege, I say again, of serving the other. The Samaritan, the hero of that history, acted with love towards the one who was in need. He was generous in attention and care. He was generous in his time and patience. He was generous in overcoming cultural barriers and rejection. He was generous even with the money he paid for the accommodation and the care of that man. He was generous and showed love when those who should have taken a position to help did not do so. He was generous without the desire to be recognized or to call attention to his action. He was generous in everything without expecting to receive anything in return. As we have heard, it has to do with the way we are willing to give ourselves for the other. To love others as Jesus loves us. Here, inside, within the church and outside it. Back to our test. text. Naomi's plan is underway. Ruth, once again, obeys her mother-in-law and follows the instructions she received. At the right moment, she laid at Boaz's feet and waited for his attitude, for his reaction. He could reject her. He could defame her. The risk was there, existent. But Boaz acts as a faithful servant of the Most High God, a man who fears the Lord, the Lord and admires Ruth's position, as someone who shows her true love and loyalty to Naomi and keeps the promise to her before the Lord. Once again, the character of Ruth calls the attention of Boaz, who calls her the woman of noble character, comparing her with the exemplary and virtuous woman that we heard and we can see in Proverbs 31, verse 10. He says, yes, he is willing to redeem Naomi and her family by marrying Ruth. He is willing to love Ruth, a foreigner, who has shown love, fidelity and loyalty that will have wonderful consequences in fulfilling the plan of redemption, redemption, and in the history of the mankind, changing everything. Just as he had been generous before, verse 15 tells us that Boaz gave Ruth six measures of barley to take to Naomi. Don't go there. 
empty-handed. Boaz, Boaz is generous love. Boaz's generous love was not limited to the grains he gave her, but it is demonstrated in the respect and admiration, as well as in the willingness to assume the responsibility that was presented to him. Boaz is generous, even in the desire that Ruth be blessed by God, now her Lord. Love is generous. In a practical way, how do we evaluate our generosity? How can we recognize that our love is generous? Are you evaluating yourself? Are you thinking about the love you have and how are you showing this love to others? Jesus is the answer and is thunder. We need to put our eyes on him to see how generous love is. How generous Jesus was on the cross and continues to be in caring for us all the time. I would like to finish with our challenge of the week. I have talked about how I consider you, my family, my church, generous. And I can say that because I have been the target of this gener generosity myself. Even so, we have a challenge for this, for this week and for our life, for every day of our lives. Can you find a situation where you are more generous in responding than was expected? During this week, let's pray and ask the Lord to give us the opportunity to exercise our faith, putting in practice this perfect love that only He can give us. Let's put in practice the generous love of Jesus Christ in our lives. May Him, the loving God, bless us all now and ever.